Music to Monday. If you don't or know, Thursday. Thursday yeah. yeah, we record on Mondays because somebody over here started grad school. And thus, I've also got wine. Yes, she's got wine. I've got coffee. I got coffee, Daniel. I went to a Sunday night wedding this weekend. It was beautiful, but I got four hours of sleep last night. And we flew in this morning. Nice. Um, got four hours of afternoon sleep. Double nice. I feel dead on the inside, but I'm happy to be here. Are you? I'm so happy to be here, yes. <laughs> um, how was your day? Busy, but good. Good. Definitely feeling the weight of a week one done of grad school. Mm. I'm trying to give my body and mind the grace of I've got to readjust to using my brain this much. It's been I I how many brain. years until school? Don't do that to me. How many years since school? I graduated in 2019. So it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. And like I read research and I function as a music therapist all the time but like to actually think about it through like articles and stuff makes my brain hurt it's different it is different so we're adjusting so we're a sleepy girl today too so danielle why are we here today what are we going to talk about well so whenever we were kind of planning out the first phase of our podcast phase one phase one we're like marvel jk we're not (laughs) Not like like marvel Marvel. (laughs) go ahead um we were trying to think okay so episode one is what this is and why we think you should listen Mm -hmm. episode two is who we are and number three is what it is that we do yeah so today we're going to be talking about what is music therapy isn't that the the big question yeah yeah so um i think there's like a lot of different ways that we are taught to describe and explain and advocate and educate for music therapy Mm -hmm. what is the textbook definition that you learned in undergrad the undergrad level morgan definition Music therapy is the evidence-based use of music for non-musical goals to support domains such as emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health, or well-being by a credentialed professional, such as a board-certified music therapist. By an AMTA-approved Oh, program. yeah. Oh, blah, yeah. Blah, AMTA, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. That yeah. too. That too. Yeah. Now, you know, whenever you hit people with that definition... They may turn their ears off. So, their eyes just like glaze over like, yeah. I don't know and I don't care. Honestly, my eyes glaze, glaze over when you said it. And like, I'm a music therapist. Dang. Yeah. It's just like a lot of... It's the real real right there. So what is in layman's term, like like layman's terms, let's say somebody has never heard of music therapy before. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Music therapy is the use of music to support people's coping and care. I've said this before. This is because of like my pediatric life working in peds medicine. Like that's the quickest grab is I'm here to support the kids coping and I'm here to support their care. Um, If I'm talking about it outside the hospital, I feel like it's, it's pretty close. It's that, but I talk a lot about music in therapy. Talk about songwriting and verbal processing and lyric analysis. Lyric analysis. I honestly talk a lot about the physiologic parameters of music and how that supports, but that's because a lot of my work is in an intensive care unit. So yeah, yeah. I was just at, I was just in Texas this weekend seeing so many like high school friends and so many um, people who don't know what it is that I do. And when I was explaining it in a way that I didn't really want to go into it, and I'm like, I'm never going to talk to you again, uh, I would just say, I use music and therapy. 
And I think that's like my husband, like that's his kind of go-to response when people ask him what it is that I do. He's like, oh, she uses music as her tool in therapy. Mm. And I think that's a concise way to describe it. Does that mean they completely get it? No. Would I say that to Grandma Joe versus a physician? You know, like, so uh, on MTED Now, over Christmas, I went into this thought bubble of levels of advocacy around the holidays because typically around the holidays, you're asked by your high school friends, as a student, you're asked by your old friends and family, blah, 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 what is music therapy? So I came up with these levels. It was like a level one, two, and three, soft, moderate, and like high level of advocacy. Because so much of what we do is not widely understood by the public, it takes a lot of energy to educate and advocate for what we do. It does. And it can lead to burnout. So my whole idea behind these levels was try to figure out what level of education this person needs and go with it. You don't have to full out educate and advocate for what music therapy is to Grandma Joe. If Grandma Joe is just going to be happy with a music is the tool I use in therapy. Mm-hmm. Do you sing songs to kids? Yes, I do. You know, like, yeah. and you don't want to burn yourself out on, you know, just trying to get people to understand because re- in reality, some people just won't, you yeah, know? they have to choose to want to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, in, like, the public world, but that's also in work and learning when and how to fight your battles on right. what is music therapy. You know, and different people give different reactions, right? Musicians and people who really connect with music, they hear my definition of music therapy and they're like... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, music is my therapy. It makes sense that you use it more purposefully. And then some people just don't. And it is what it is. I feel like that's just an egg we, an egg we have to swallow. <laughs> Why did you say egg? I don't know. A pill? Pill. It's okay. a pill, not, not an egg. An egg. <laughs> um, tired brain. Yeah, so that was kind of like a little tangent, but I do think it's important to recognize when... Where you're putting your energy. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say in my experiences, like I have the most success with people when I relate it back to what they're doing in their lives. So I'll like ask, oh, do you listen to music when you work out or when you run or do you listen to music to feel your feelings or that kind of thing? And then I'll say kind of like that. I'm trained to use that part of music and help reach a goal, help a person move more or move less relax, feel their feelings, process, kind of that thing. So I try... Decrease anxiety, pain. Yeah, well, yeah, you know the textbooks. But I try to, haha, meet the person where they are in that moment. But that takes an amount of energy. That takes an amount of grace in myself to be like, okay, I'm going to put Morgan aside for a second and I'm going to give you my patience and my focus to give you an opportunity to understand. But it's like 100% in their court whether or not they take the ball and bounce it. Um... But yeah, that's something I found to be really successful is to relate music back to how its everyday use is applicable and then attach music therapy to it and say, it's kind of like that, but different. (laughs) Let's talk about something that you and I have talked about before is not having a total understanding of what music therapy was even during our training. Whoa. What Um, a weird time that was. Yeah. And, you know, like I've talked about before, I switched my major just like really randomly one day without really fully understanding what music therapy was, but I just kind of went with it and (laughs) ended up working in my favor. Mm -hmm. What made you understand as a professional, as a student, as a music music therapist to be, what helped you understand? Like how can we help people understand what music therapy really is? Yeah. I would say for me, and don't mean this to be a cop-out answer, kind of what I just said about Mm -hmm. the physiologic parameters. So 
more about Morgan. I'm a nature girl. I love to be out hiking. I love to be in nature. I love to move my body. And so for me, a lot of my experience with music is going to concerts or writing my own music, but truly experiencing it in nature and to get through and motivate myself through long hikes um, or through just long times outside that maybe weren't the most pleasant, music was kind of where I, where I leaned to. And so a lot of the way that I began to understand how music therapy works is transferring it to my own life and saying, how does music support me? Okay, if music can support me this way, how can it be reproducible to support someone else in this way? And I think that's the realm that music therapy lives in, and that's how I understood, was, okay, for me it functions like this, but for other people, music therapy is the reproducible way you use music to get an outcome. Mm. And that's like a kind of watered down thing to say for music therapy because sometimes of music therapy are very identity based very personalized and that's important that's just as valid and just as uh supported as a reproducible outcome or like a quantitative idea if you will but for me relating music back to how it's walked me through my life is how I began to understand what music therapy was yeah I love that trying to think about if there was a moment where I really understood or what helped me understand. It was general for me. I, like, not general, gradual. Like, I just, like, I can't tell you the day that I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. But I can tell you the day that I was like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? I could not tell you the time that I said, oh, my gosh, I understand what they're saying. It was when I started doing it that I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I understand now. May I say my understanding, even up till now, has been a roller coaster. Some really? days, well... Some days it's like, yeah, this is exactly what okay, this yeah. is. And some days it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, something that came to mind is when we got into practicum, when I got into practicum. Yeah. So for those of you who may not, for those, whatever, oh my gosh, I, gosh, I just got back from Texas. Give it, it's okay, Grace. Um, for those of you who may not know a lot about the training behind music therapy, you go through a couple years of school and then you start your clinical work and your clinical practice. So you have practicum placements. Yes, which is basically where you're in the clinical field, shadowing a music therapist and getting opportunities to kind of try a few of the things you're learning in class. It's your first opportunity to do with people that are not your peers, mm-hmm. not in a role play basis, but like in a real in a real situation. So my first practicum was with older adults and I had an individual woman who was a hoot. <laughs> and I feel like my first like, real life oh my gosh this is what music therapy is she's a very agitated woman very into um not into but um I, i'm having trouble thinking of the word but like far into her dementia um yeah. progressive yeah like yeah. she had progressed into dementia and very rarely had very lucid moments but if i play love me tender by elvis presley she would tell me about her sons she would Aww. tell me about her husband the exact moments on their little like farmhouse. She would become very lucid and very connected with um, what her reality used to be. Right. And um, she would come too and just have these wonderful memories and share them and become tearful and joyful and sing. And um, that is when I was like, wow. Yeah, this is powerful. Yeah, like this is real. This isn't just entertainment. (laughs) This isn't just singing songs because... Morgan and I have talked about some days it does feel like we're just entertaining (laughs) and we have to take a step back because from the outside it may look like entertainment but we know what we're in there doing Mm -hmm. we know what we're assessing we know what goals we're meeting 
And even if we're singing Disney song after Disney song to a five-year-old, doesn't take away the therapeutic value of what's happening with that child and that family in that setting. Yeah. So I feel like that was kind of my first like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Yeah. This is valuable. Yeah. And then since then, I, I feel like I've, I, uh, during school, I relearned it every semester, depending on what I was doing or um, what we were learning, whether it was medical or psych or um, special needs and just kind of learning more and more. One thing about our field is music therapy looks really different. Everywhere. Everywhere. There is, I mean, there's so many styles of music therapy. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so, so many, many perspectives on it, types of research, types of practice, types neurologic of docu- music yeah. therapy. Nikki music therapy. Docu- like, even just like the way we document. Like mm-hmm. we document very narrative based. Mm-hmm. I do. Working but in like, psych. Whereas like in the NICU, that's very numbers based, like stats based to watch the progress of the baby. Or even with like um, those with different needs, like tracking how many times they cross the midline or right. Those kinds of things. like Yeah, the, like private practice or rehabilitation kind of areas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's all very different across the board. So I felt like during school, I would relearn what music therapy was every time I did it. Yeah, but I think that's really beautiful to think about if you can hold that in your brain. It's like a big thing, right? But we're like developing this definition and we have this overarching idea of like music to help non-musical goals. But then we have all of this backing like sub definitions if you know what I mean so like in rehab that looks like in peds medical that looks like in adult psych that looks like in hospice care that looks like and I think that's incredible and really speaks to what music is and how Mm -hmm. it functions Uh, it's really hard as a student it's really hard as a 25 year old woman working in a pediatric hospital but it's really valuable um, because it shows I feel like the breadth of potential music therapy Mm -hmm. has and it's pretty endless I want to reiterate it. That is why it's so hard as a student or as an outsider to understand what music therapy is. Mm-hmm. I was um, harassing my husband earlier about what definitions he gives because he gives like specific definitions to people whenever they ask about it. And yeah. one thing that he's always held on to is entrainment. And <laughs> my partner does that. Yeah, it's like an easy or it's a very tangible way that music therapy functions, it right? Is. Yeah. So if you go in with a NICU baby and you are playing at their heart rate and then you slowly decrease to, you know, decrease agitation and blah 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 and their heart rate decreases heart rate decreases that's a that's a tangible thing and a tangible way to look at music therapy Mm -hmm. our bodies sync with music you help people yeah and regulate it changes yeah so like he uses that example um i use a lot of psych based examples Mm -hmm. like lyric analysis i kind of um whenever i'm giving a definition if i'm really going into it I uh, link it back to the kinds of interventions that we do. So yeah. songwriting, looking at lyrics, making meaning out of it, yeah, relating it back to yourself. Um, that's what I kind of use on a more like psych-based. Yeah, I would say for me, there's this opportunity to lean in on emotion-based things that help people kind of connect to it more. And I think sometimes, I'll explain more in a second, but I think sometimes it can kind of water down what music therapy is. For example, I work in pediatric intensive care unit. I've been in this hospital for a couple years now and I do a lot of working with end of life care. And so I talk about like helping with agitation or whenever we're decreasing like sedation. So the medicine that makes the kids sleepy, like I talk about kids might be uncomfortable or unhappy with the tube in their throat or that kind of thing. And so I can provide music assisted relaxation. So I'll explain that to them. And then as an extension of that, I'll talk about if it reaches a point, the end of life, that kind of thing, and tell them about the different... (laughs) 
different interventions that I provide, heartbeat recording, legacy building, those kinds of things. And let me say, people really connect to the end of life thing. I mean, they do. That's what I was about to say. So like pulling a heartstring, like, I mean, I've had people cry to me, even just me telling them about my job, not in the essence of being in a medical field. They just asked me so many questions that we got to the point. And those are people remember me. They remember my name. They remember what music therapy is. And they check on me or like they, if I, if they're not like a random person passing, but like they're my nurses or my techs or my people that know me. And if they understand what I'm doing on that emotional level, they seem to coexist with me more in it, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. And something I've only found specifically in dealing with end of life, which is really different because I was in Hemonk with, um, children with cancer for a while and I love songwriting and lyric analyses and verbal processing and I did tons of that and people got the gist of it but when I'm doing that kind of stuff it looks more fun so I think people lean back on okay you're the music lady like you're bringing music into this space and that's super cool it makes us happy it makes them happy this is super great and so they're inadvertently recognizing oh my gosh this is super cool and great like we're happy they're happy but they're also not purposefully but it kind of feels like they're discounting the therapy but yeah whenever I start the tangent but whenever I yank on a heartstring specifically it feels like people grasp the understanding more absolutely yeah which makes honestly makes our lives in peds medicine a little bit easier as compared to other populations because I know I was an adult psych for a minute and it is harder to pull a heartstring when you're talking about an adult with a mental health issue it's just people don't have the same compassion they do for kids that are dying even in psych, I think in general with kids as well, it's a little harder to have compassion. Well, a little harder to get, right? Like I, um, so one of my units is our behavioral health unit and we have a mix of kids there in acute crisis for, you know, depression, anxiety, suicide attempts. But we also have kids with ASD, autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. And the nurses very much see my interactions with those kids as entertainment. Yeah. When in reality, it's positive stimulation, socialization, decreasing anxiety, decreasing pain. Managing attention and focus without any, like, being compliant. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more to it. So, yeah, it's it's hard not to get burnt out and upset and stressed about, I'm not just entertainment. I'm not just, you know, doing these things. Mm -hmm. But you have to pick your battles on what is music therapy to others because you're just, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm new to the, new to my job. And so... I have a lot more patience than I would say Morgan sometimes does with our staff of explaining or even letting like the entertainment comments roll off my back. Morgan has been in it for a minute, has been advocating for music therapy at this hospital for two years. So even that, it's, you know, you can kind of see a level of more burnt out on having to reiterate what your real job is versus mm -hmm. me who's new. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get these people on my side. I don't even really care if they understand and that's I mean that's sometimes the mentality you have to take and that's mm -hmm. super fair I think that there's value in building relationship with people first where you can and mm -hmm. letting that roll off because the hopes of at some point they'll get it but that tells you in that moment they've already decided what this means to them this is what music therapy is to them so this is what it's going to look like but relationship with them or the relationship you have with the patient they might see can redefine that mm -hmm. for them which I think can be even more power powerful than you speaking it in words or me mm -hmm. speaking it in words yeah in my context for me at least right now as I'm building my presence specifically in Hemonk which is our cancer and blood disorders unit 
I'm just trying to build the relationships. And as long mm-hmm. as they are consulting me and letting me see their kids, mm-hmm. that's the first step. So just for clarity, for those of you that don't necessarily work in a medical field, when she's speaking they, she's talking about nurses, techs, physicians, physical therapists, occupational therapists, just kind of our whole medical team to see and build a relationship mm-hmm. with. Yeah. That they is pretty all-inclusive with everyone in the hospital but us. Yeah, specifically nurses, especially in Hemont, because they're the ones that are giving you the consults and the information on the patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm very much like, I just want to get my foot in the door. I have that relationship with a lot of nurses. I'm able to go check in with them and see how patients are doing and they let me in. Mm -hmm. What's great is when they come into into my session and see what's happening. Do some of them take it as entertainment? Yes. Do some of them see how we went from a 10 to a two in anxiety and Mm -hmm. agitation or during procedural support? I got really excited a couple of weeks ago because I was seeing a private, not private, I was seeing an individual behavioral health patient because she approached me about a song that she wrote and we recorded it and put music to it, blah, blah, blah. And the physician came in and in the middle of our session and got to see the song that she wrote whenever I was showing her the recording. And I, that is such a win Mm -hmm. to be able to get a provider, a caregiver, whatever you may be doing in music therapy if you can get them in the room and seeing your work versus having to tell them with your words, mm-hmm. it's huge. Yeah. I remember I when I did my NICU MT training, Dr. Jane Stanley spoke those words to me and just advocacy for our hospital when, when it was a minute ago. And she talked about how the impact is like when it is seen, it's it's understandable. And it's so cool to take it back to what we were talking about before. Like that's kind of the moment we both understood. So like to have that grace for people that until they see it, they might not get it. Until I did it, I didn't really understand. Like I had a, an, a bit of an understanding, a capacity for it, but I didn't fully grasp it until my I was hands-on working or trying to be a music therapist as a student and now a professional. Mm. Whenever I was in private practice, mm-hmm. I would uh, with my younger, so I, in my private practice, I worked um, with kiddos with like neurodiversities, ADHD, depression, anxiety, etc. Um, and specifically with my younger ADHD, OCD, um, anxiety kids, we would do a lot of songwriting and emotion identification and building coping skills and things like that. And I would always try to have a product mm-hmm. for the parents to see mm-hmm. so they were able to grasp it and understand it. Because on a, in a private practice setting, for me at least, there was this pressure of like, these people are paying me $100 a session. I want to make sure they know that what we're doing in music therapy is worthwhile <laughs> and therapeutic and working. Yeah. Um, so I always would have like the lyrics that we wrote and, you know, or have them come in and sit in on like an improv session just like to help them understand and grasp it. Because like you said, until you see it. Yeah. It's harder to understand. And, you know, and that's everyone. That's parents. And that's... That's, I mean, anyone you're going to work with, that's your mom or your grandma or the physician or a nurse or a physical therapist that you're working with or a milieu therapist if you're in psych or whatever it looks like for you. But I think I think the thing that reaches back that we're leaning on the most is that visibility piece um, of understanding. And it's hard. And mm-hmm. we see that and we know that and we feel that. We feel how hard it is from when you first start as a music therapist to as a student, as a music therapy student, to when you're in your first job and you're three months in and you're like, people are getting it, but they're also not getting it. Mm-hmm. Like We see how exhausting that is, but also how powerful that is. Um, you are getting to tell people about what you do. And so 
another incredible person in my life, Nicole Steele, said this to me one time, and it has some danger in it, so take it with a grain of salt, but in those moments where you're advocating and you're meeting these people and you're telling them about the music therapy that you do, you are the expert on music therapy. You are the one in front of them. You know the most about music therapy in that space. And so give yourself the space to move and to tell and to breathe and to tell them this is what I do and this is how and this is why, if they're there for it, if you have the capacity and they do too. And there's so much power and I feel like knowledge and confidence that can be found in that place. And it's, it's just great. I feel like it's a great thing that I've leaned on as a music therapist that was alone for a year and a half um, to know, okay, I do know what I'm doing. This is valid and I know enough of what I do to act. That was super powerful for me and I think could be super powerful for other people too. Yeah, I love that. And back to the, I mean, the visibility piece. Mm-hmm. That is one of the reason I, reasons I started Music Therapy Ed now. And we've got Mtapoto. And the MTPT pod is because of that visibility piece outside of the clinical setting. Right. To your friends, to your family who aren't necessarily ever going to see you work or ever see the results of what you do. It's huge to, you know, a big reason why I started MT Ed now and why I was passionate about it and the reason I did it the way I did was I wanted people to be able to like throw a post up on their stories about Mm -hmm. what is music therapy or a graphic that easily explains it without having to go into it mm-hmm. or like to take some of that responsibility off yourself for a minute exactly because of what like what I said at the beginning it, it can burn you out whenever you don't feel heard and seen and you're constantly having to advocate for what you do it's Absolutely. not like physical therapy or OT or chiropractic you know like I mean p- the, these other professions these other health health allied health professions mm-hmm. like people just get uh to an extent I think that they're more familiar they're more familiar I think that there's this this common ground, though, we can hold with, with different clinicians, different people in different fields, because I know plenty of occupational therapists that are like, people think they get what I do, but they don't get what I do. Sure. And so there's that that's there's that grace and humanity that you can hold. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's kind of how I've made a few OT friends, is yeah. that, that ability to stand in between and say, okay, I know what you do is more than what it looks like, and you know right. that what I do is more than what it looks like. And that is a common, like a mutual respect Absolutely. that we can hold together. Yeah. I think it's it's part of it too is you know it's unfair for us therapies you know people say oh I'm an engineer mm-hmm. I'm a nurse <laughs> I'm like what does that mean I'm a teacher yeah mm-hmm. you don't have to step more into what that actually means yeah people just accept it at face value oh cool nice but to be fair sometimes people say oh cool you're a music therapist that's cool all yeah. <laughs> go ahead what all weekend I, you know, people would ask me what I do. I said, oh, I'm a music therapist. They kind of look at me and I said, you don't have to pretend you know what that is. <laughs> and I would explain what it was. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, it's okay. And you have some people, it's always a nice surprise when people do know. I love that. I will tell you that. And this is such a beauty to know about our field and to see uh, in the past year, I've had a variety of interactions with patients and families and people that I love and random humans off the street. And they... I've had so many people be like, oh my gosh, my cousin or my aunt or my daughter or my someone has either been impacted by music therapy or is a music therapist or wants to be. And so we're growing, guys. Like this conversation is one that we have to have and we'll have to have for a while because there'll always be misconceptions. But this conversation is one that as our field grows will shrink and hopefully be 
easier to have because people will have more context for what it is. Mm, I think that can happen in our lifetime too. Oh yeah. I have, I feel confident in you guys and ourselves that that mm-hmm. can happen in our lifetime. We have a lot of gener- upcoming generations and our generations of really passionate music therapists. Mm-hmm. We just got to keep us in the field. Right. We I just know. can't, but we just can't burn ourselves out. Right. We got to stay on fire, not burn. Yeah. Um, I want to go through like an example of what music therapy looks like. Okay. Let's talk about like what a music therapy session looks like. Sure. Maybe you can do one based in the ICU. Yeah. I can talk about one maybe like in Hemonk or like with teens, but I want to give, you know, the listener something, you know, this is maybe even something we can post on social media of this is what music therapy therapy is. Yeah. So I'm going to give two. I'm going to start in the ICU. So I work with a little young one say a toddler so like two and a half year old who is in the hospital because of a respiratory issue and they have a it's called a high flow nasal cannula but they have like a tube up their nose and they're awake but they're on some meds and they're just mad at the world (laughs) they're agitated they're thrashing in their bed some they're crying out they want to be held but they can't because of the medication that they're on or because whatever's going on with their bodies it's not safe and so I enter that space with a kiddo that's just been on one for a while and I bring in my guitar, introduce myself, talk to family, etc. And I provide music assisted relaxation. So that looks like this kiddo is thrashing and crying and I meet them where they are. I provide some sound stimulus to see, okay, is this, I start playing my guitar. Is this going to be too much for them? Is this going to excite them to a point that it's not going to help them come down, but it's just going to encourage them to stay their energy? And then I would, we choose the direction. If that's validating to them, if they can hold that much sound happening, then we experience the sound. And then one step at a time, we take down the energy, we take down the energy, we take down the energy. When a kid is on a lot of meds and is having a hard time understanding what's going on or where they are, especially because they're little and their medications making them feel all woozy, a lot of times it looks more like we start a little higher than really calm and then we get really calm. How do you functionally do that? Yeah, for sure. So basically I would come in with a guitar and I would, if parents have given me a song, I would start with that patient preferred song. For example, Hot Dog from Mickey Mouse. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. If the child engages or recognizes, oh, that's happening, I'm going to pay attention to that. I'll respond. I'll say, yay, good job. Here's this or experience this with me. But if a child is like, no, which is what typically happens with a two and a half year old on medication, um, then I will gently weave hot dog to be calmer. So hot dog goes from hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog to hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. We've got ears. It's time for cheers. We're going to rest your safe and sound and I'll weave in some calming ideas in my guitar through the picking pattern that I'm playing I'll change the tone of my voice to really be something that is sustained calm and easy to listen to and you watch parents who've been dealing with a two and a half year old their heads kind of nod down they're like oh I'm also falling asleep and you gently walk this child to, to sleep so With music, assisted relaxation, specifically with that age, it looks like a lot of live music. It looks like I'm just playing some chill guitar in the room, but truly I'm starting my guitar at a place that is where they are, so picking faster, strumming more, a louder volume, and then I'm decreasing the speed at which I'm playing my guitar, I'm decreasing the volume, and I'm changing my voice to be more calming in general, and that's something that we're trained in, as we know, in music therapy. 
my other one, and I will try to be fast on this one, my other one is specifically with kids that have been in the hospital for a long time um, with motivation and songwriting. So I walk into a room and I know a little bit about this kiddo and that they love the song Party in the USA. And so we've sang it before, we've jammed, but they are over the hospital stay. They've been here too long, they have a surgery they're waiting for, it's no fun. So I bring this song in, we sing it, we jam, and then I say, what if this? you make this song yours now? But I don't want it to be Party in the USA, I want it to be like our parties that we've had here in the hospital, you and me together. And the girly and I sit and we write word by word through this song to mimic what it's like for her in the hospital, what that's looked like, and if she feels safe, she sings it or I sing it and we record it. We make it into this project that changes, it revamps this hospital experience from a place of, oh, this is really sucked (laughs) to these are the parties I had. This is the cool stuff that happened while I was in the hospital. This was the good, if you will. And so we write that, we sing, we play. And at the end, she's got this bright, happy, happy mood, happy affect and is showing people her song, is sharing it, is making connections and is kind of showing that motivation just through writing some new words of a song she already loved with the help of a music therapist. Love. Yeah, that was really good. Thank you. I'm going to give, I'll give two as well. I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of fall in the middle of you. Please. Um, so I work in hemoc, blood disorders, cancer. A lot of our, uh, let's say, kids with leukemia, like let's say they're five, we have a lot of new diagnosis, uh, diagnoses between the ages of two and five right now, which makes for a lot of fun. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, so let's say we have a five-year-old and I've been consulted because they are there for, they're going to be there for two weeks mm-hmm. um, doing their chemo or infusions, whatever it is that they're, they're there for. And they are, have no parents at bedside, but they're stuck to their bed. They can't go anywhere. So we carry around the hospitals these bags with all kinds of instruments in them from lollipop drums to shakers to quack sticks or silly sticks, whatever you refer to them as, to um, ocean drums. Just th- It's a bag of, of instruments, and whenever you're getting them out and cleaning them, all the nurses look at you real weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so if I have a five-year-old, I know she loves Jojo Siwa, and she loves, you know, she probably loves Disney. I go in, I like pack my pockets with egg shakers and silly sticks and rain sticks and love packed all, pockets. all of these sensory instruments. And then I bring in my guitar. So we literally around the hospital, to give you context, we carry a guitar on our backs and we carry a bag of instruments mm-hmm. um, along with like the list of kids that we, we, we can see. So I go into the room, assess where they're at. Are we low energy? Are we high energy? Is our goal to have some normalization, some play? Some, what is normalization? Um, great question. So normalizing the hospital environment is a huge goal that we work on in the hospital, making the hospital a more normal experience for a five-year-old. A five-year-old should be maybe going to kindergarten, going to music class, going to the playground, whatever. Spending time with other kids. Spending time with other kids, spending time with other people with no, with, without seeing anybody except maybe their families and the nurses and the doctors and the nurses and the doctors can be really scary because they bring in things that hurt. Right. So um, it, it's just a very, it can be a very fear-filled environment. So our goal is to make it a more normal experience where they can de- have developmentally appropriate interactions and experiences. So go in with, with my guitar and my instruments and I'll, you know, 
get all the instruments out of my pocket and let them explore, let them see what they like, what they don't like. And then my biggest goal in that room is to give this child as much control and what we call autonomy as possible. Because in the hospital, we do not get a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. With As a five-year-old with leukemia, we, we don't get choices. Um, so my goal is to give you choices. Do you want the egg shaker or do you want the silly stick? Do you want Boomerang by Jojo Siwa or do you want Let It Go? Do you want me to play fast or slow? Or maybe I'll have them play the instruments and whenever they stop, I stop. Whenever they speed up, I speed up. Let them even control the music experience. Mm -hmm. So like you said, with relaxation from the outside, it may look like I'm just playing a bunch of songs and... Playing with them. Right. But what I'm doing is I'm, you know, meeting them where they're at. I'm letting them have autonomy and control and have Mm self-expression and have choice and have a normal experience that a Mm five-year-old should have. And you're building a safe relationship Mm. with a person who looks like a medical professional, who is a medical professional, but who looks like the ones that have been hurting them. Exactly. And so a lot of times in our, um, on our HEMOC unit, um, our kiddos will have um, bone marrow transplants. And essentially a bone marrow transplant like kicks out your whole immune system. It just like takes you really down. It like completely kills it and then builds it back up. And it's a very painful, um, unenjoyable experience. You just feel so sick. Mm -hmm. And so one of my supervisor, Karen, during internship, she always would try to get in before they did the bone marrow transplant to build that rapport, to build that relationship, to have those positive experiences. That way, when the kid is feeling like crap and they're not letting anybody in the room, they say yes to you. Yeah. And then that turns into a relaxation, a pain perception, like lowering pain, lowering anxiety, lowering lowering agitation. Then we get to do that therapeutically Mm -hmm. by having a positive developmentally appropriate experience so a lot of the times even with the same kid our goals can change yeah. but yeah so that's like a really good tangible like example of what that experience is and I'll make this one short too um for psych um I do specifically do groups and so a lot of the times um I do a lot of things in psych but a go-to is lyric analysis so mm. I'll have a goal in mind um let's say we want to build coping skills um I don't know help give me another coping skills uh uh in psych yeah identify emotion self-awareness self-expression so i'll bring in um perfect by pink Mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll get to know each other build rapport get to know their names what they like get to know me a little bit just through like simple questions or some musical games that kind of thing and then i will pass out lyrics and i will play the song live if I know it and if I can, if I have the energy, <laughs> I will tell them to circle, underline, highlight, doodle, whatever. We want to we wanna explore the lyrics. And after, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about what it means. Play the song. After, see what they have to say. See what stuck out to them. Oh, the lyric made a wrong turn once or t- twice stuck out to you. Why did that stick out to you? Oh, because you feel like you've made choices that were wrong in the moment and have regrets. Okay. Who else has that experience? Oh, everyone raises their hand. Everyone has made <laughs> wrong choices and has regrets and stays up at night thinking about it. What can we do to help ourselves instead? Is it worth it to beat up on ourselves? Even if we made those wrong choices, what did we learn from it? Instead of laying in bed thinking about it, let's journal about it, let it go, and then move on. You know. So then it's, it's just this building of processing through experiences. Lyric analysis has this beautiful way of opening the door that a simple question would not. Mm-hmm. If I said more again, have you ever made a bad decision? 
without any context, without any relationship, that's very <laughs> abrasive. Yeah. But being able to look at lyrics and open that door, I, I think of lyric analysis as the back door. Right. And so allowing those walls to come down and we all re- relate to this song and these lyrics and then we relate it back to our lives and then ultimately we want to help build coping school coping skills at the end of it. So um, sometimes there's a worksheet, um, sometimes there's like a visual, whatever, we may do that. Um, just kind of, um, I always joke like I never try to plan site groups too much because they tend to go in a direction I never expect and so you got to be real flexible with it. But yeah, that's a good example of what that tangibly looks like. Yeah, and I think the important thing to, like, think about in all of these experiences we've explained to you guys that we've, we've exemplified, we know and you know music is safe, right? Music is this place that is a common human experience. It looks different for everyone. We all experience it in different ways, but also it's something that most of us get to experience. And so in this, music therapy is the use of music to build relationship, to empower people, to positively impact their coping, to help them motivate themselves to do something, to reactivate their brain, to help a body part move or to help them walk more efficiently, to process what it's like to have something hard happen in your life. Music functions in endless ways, but in music therapy, we have the opportunity to take advantage of those ways and empower others through music. I'll leave us with this question. Why can't entertainers or musicians do what music therapists do? What makes us different? Why is it therapy? Why isn't it just entertainment? Music therapists are trained in the psychology of music, in the physiologic impact of music, and in how to use music to have an outcome through schooling, through physical practice with a licensed professional right next to you or credentialed professional right next to you, telling you input, giving you feedback, and then practicing from that evidence-based framework. I think, go ahead. We also have um, therapeutic backgrounds. We have um, verbal processing skills and we learn mirroring. We learn, we learn those interpersonal skills that are required to be a therapist in a space. Yes. And with that, we have evidence to lean back on. So music is a shared human experience, right? And there's so much there that musicians can pull from, that entertainers can pull from, that we as music therapists can pull from. There's also this body of evidence, this long (laughs) overarching evidence that tells us the ways that music can be used and reproduced and the importance of using music with all of the things we already know to have an outcome. A musician can play a song and help you to feel your feelings, but they do not have the skills to help you talk about it and make change from the feelings that you feel. Mm. A musician can play a song that makes you want to tap your toe and move your body, but they do not have the knowledge or skill base to then use that music to help your body move more efficiently or relearn something it might have lost. Mm. The difference between entertainers and musicians and music therapists is the therapy that we learn how to do. Now, you cannot be a music therapist without musicianship, right? You have to have music. But on top of music, we stand. In therapy, we are. Mm. (laughs) That was great. Thank you. Yeah. And we're in this really sticky situation where music is such a beautiful, wide-known experience that 
people just think that they can do music therapy and like Mm -hmm. you know you know that's part of the battle yeah but we stand with you and we see you and we know what we do is important we want you to know what you do is important that every interaction you have no matter what it looks like or how it feels is having an impact and that it matters and we are grateful that you're still doing it we also know that music therapy is proven and it is an evidence-based practice. We are just cheeky in our meaning of music till proven therapy because we are music therapists and we are proud of what we do. Absolutely. And we know that um, we're not just entertainers. As much as y'all are going to hear me joke about being entertainers. She's kidding. All the time. I swear I'm kidding. For those of you who do not have the social skills of sarcasm, me, um, she's kidding. I promise I'm kidding. I think, I think it's hilarious. Like my husband always calls it musical therapy and says we play Hamilton and Wicked and it's just a joke because sometimes you just got to laugh it off so you're going to hear me refer to us as musical therapists and entertainers all the time and please know I don't mean it it's just a way to cope with what everyone else thinks that we are and but that's why we're doing this so we can help change the narrative truly yeah awesome well I hope this gave you guys some context if you didn't know if you're a listener being like what is music therapy if this is your first time hearing about it I hope you have some tangible things to take away with what it is if you are a music therapist or a music therapy student I hope you feel some validation or you feel seen by the fact that it is hard to explain and sometimes you know and sometimes you don't but it still matters and you're still growing and it's still valid it's still a it's still a healthcare profession I love um Kat Fulton's music therapy edu- uh, music therapy ed they um always say we are we are health we are healthcare providers we are um healthcare professionals and we are important in healthcare and I think it's important to frame it like that if anyone out there has any ideas or any specific population that you feel like relates directly to this that you want Danielle and I to know our email is mtptpod at gmail.com shoot us an email we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear how you practice where you practice what you're passionate about we are excited to grow this podcast but growing this podcast isn't just us it's also you so we want to hear from you. And if you're not as old as Morgan, we also have the Instagram. You don't have oh to email God, us. Oh, my God. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I we also have Instagram, guys. Slide into the DMs. Let me leave. Um, I have to go now. Please slide into the DMs. MGPT pod. Um, we know you don't have to email. If you would like to email us, please do. But Instagram also works. Um, yeah, we would love to connect. Like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram. Um, leave a review. You know, I don't really know what these things do, but... All the uh, podcasts I listen to say it, so I'm going to say it too. So, if you, I didn't, can they subscribe to us? Yeah. Huh. Like on like Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you're listening to us on, subscribe so you can get notified when podcasts are dropped every Thursday. That's super cool. Um, and we are super excited. Let us know what you want to hear. We are here for you. Sweet. Happy Thursday, guys. Mm-hmm.